I want you to find a buddy or a neighbor next to you, okay? Find them. You can be like two or three, but just really quickly, it's 9.17. We're going to take three minutes. I want you to pray with the person next to you. You don't have to both pray. One of you pray. But here's what I want you to pray, okay? It's now 9.18, so we get two minutes. Pray that God would work in your heart through his word in this chapel, okay? I just want us all to yield to the work of the Spirit and the word together, And at 9.20, I'm going to pray out loud, but that's how I want to open chapel today, okay? So find your buddy, pray. Pray with your buddy. Go. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for letting us be here in chapel Thursday morning. Thank you for each camper, each counselor, each staff member, every person that's here. And Father, I pray that as our prayers have come up to you, that our hearts are ready to listen to your word. And Father, I ask that as your word is studied this morning, as we look at just three verses, that through faith you would show us what we can't see on our own, that you would open our eyes, give us spiritual understanding, and God, that our hearts would be stirred to choose to live for you, to honor and to glorify you as we respond to the word. God, work in our hearts through your spirit this morning, we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are in 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. Chapter 2, I know there's some parts of chapter 1 that we didn't talk about, maybe next year. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at verses one through three. First Peter chapter two, verses one through three. And let's do a little bit of a review, okay? And uh, I'm old and can't remember things, so I got to look back in my booklet. So we're talking about how to win the game, right? How do I win the game? And I know life is more than a game, but if it was a game, God's word instructs me how to win. First morning, we talked about being born again. And when you are born again, Let me tell you, you've won the game, (laughs) okay? You have something to look forward to that can never be taken away from you, and that is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we win the game when we are born again. And then once we are born as children of God, we now have a new life to live as a child of God. And that's what we talked about yesterday. We win when we live out being a child of God when we live out what God has done in us, and that is setting our hope fully in God's grace, being holy like he is holy, and learning to respect God first, to fear him. What we're going to look at this morning in chapter 2 is we win the game when we desire and read the word of God. Very simple idea. I told you yesterday we were going to come back to this. We win the game when we Read the word of God. Very simple, okay? Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Chapter 2, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it out loud. If you have a copy, follow along with me. If you don't, maybe look off of a buddy next to you, okay? 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. So putting away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, in verse 
two, there's a mention of this milk. Okay, and this is used in another place in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 5. You can write down Hebrews chapter 5. There it's very clear that the author of Hebrews is using milk as an illustration for the revelation of God, the, the Word of God. There, it's kind of negative. Here, it's very positive that we want to desire the truth of God's Word. And there's things that we don't want to desire, and we're going to talk about that first. You can see that number one in your books. And then he's going to tell us what happens when we learn to desire the Word of God, okay? Very simple this morning. So let's look at, in your books, the verse phrase here is to put away some things. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, when I was a kid, it was number one rule in my house was you put away your, your toys. I had a big cedar chest that we had in the toy room. And uh, my dad was a farmer. We had a lot of tractors and farm animals and things like that. And my dad would get super upset if I didn't put away my toys, okay? Now, that's kind of like a silly little thing. What Peter is saying here is that there's desires in our life that will compete with our desire for God and his word. And we actually have to turn away or put away these wrong things as a part of our pursuing the word of God. So this isn't like something you do before you go to the Word of God. It's actually a way that you pursue the Word of God. It's part of your desiring the Word is to turn away from other wrong desires. And he gives us five things here. Okay, so you can see in your booklet, there's five blanks. Putting away all malice is the first one. It might change depending on the translation you have. This is what mine says, ESV. That word for malice is just a general word for evil, wrong, trouble, being naughty. <laughs> like, okay, if you want to desire the word of God, you can't have that desire and also desire evil. That makes sense, right? So you got to put one away while you pursue the other. He says then, putting away all deceit. This is lying. You know, have you ever tried to deceive someone or trick someone? Sometimes you can do that and it's like a prank and it's kind of like a fun joke. Maybe you agree that, you know, this is a joke. A lot of times we try to deceive people and it's not a joke. We try to pull fast ones over on people. We try to deceive them into thinking that we're doing something right when we're really doing something wrong. And Peter says, you need to put that away. Deceit. You got to put that away as you desire and pursue God's word. The third one is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Letter C there. Putting away hypocrisy. This is, uh, if you break that word down, it's an above judge. It's like being overly judgmental. And what we know as a hypocrite, it's someone who really likes to point out someone else's faults when they're guilty of the same thing. So they're, they go way too far as a judge. They're an above judge because they're guilty of the same things. So as a Christian, we don't want to be hypocr hypocrites. We don't want to have a life of hypocrisy. We need to put away hypocrisy, turn away from judging other people and being guilty of it ourselves as we desire God's word. 
The fourth one is envy. Envy says putting away envy. I don't know about you, if you've ever been envious of someone else, a very similar emotion would be jealousy. Wanting things that other people have, and when you don't have what other people have, you get upset. That is a competing desire with God's word in our lives. So we don't want to live lives motivated out of envy or jealousy. We want to recognize that, and we want to turn away from envy and jealousy as we pursue God's word. And the last one here is slander in the ESV, or just very simply, evil speech, evil talking, saying things we shouldn't say. And that actually works really well. If you want to pursue and live by the word of God, you wouldn't expect someone living by God's word to then have evil words. That makes perfect sense. So what Peter is saying, these five things, Malice or just evil, lying, deceit, hypocrisy, being judgmental of other people, being envious or jealous, or being evil in our speech, those are natural things that humans do because we're all sinners. You with me? Because we all have a sinful heart, we naturally will do those things first. When someone is mean to me, says something mean to me or does something wrong to me, my first response isn't, oh, I love you. It's this. It's evil. It's deceit. Well, I'm going to get them back. They're not going to know I'm doing it, but I'm going to get them back. My, my heart as a sinner reacts in these ways very naturally. And we don't have to work at getting better at this. We're trained sinners. We're very, very good at responding or reacting the incorrect way. What Peter is saying, he's, like, oh, he's going to get to, you want to respond by desiring God's ways and his word, but you can't do that if the competing desires are overpowering you. So you need to have a recognition in your life of these types of things. I said this yesterday, and I'm going to repeat it. Reading the Bible is not what God wants from you. There's not something special about sitting down in the morning, I'm going to read two paragraphs, or I'm going to read a chapter, I read it, check, I'm done. I read my Bible today. What's valuable about your devotions is that that is a time where you commune with God through His Spirit. If you are his child, he wants to spend time with you. It's a communication. There's growth taking place as the Spirit of God has free reign in your heart, and the Spirit of God will work through the Word of God. If these competing desires of our sin nature are controlling us, the Spirit of God does not have free reign in our heart. Does that make sense? You can't have them both at the same time. Either you are controlled by these fleshly desires or you are yielded to the Spirit of God. You can write another passage down. It's Galatians chapter 5. It talks specifically about this. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, the Spirit of God and our flesh are completely opposite. They're contrary to one another. If you want the word of God through the spirit of God to change you, there has to be a putting away 
of the evil desires. Now, we talked about yesterday, this doesn't mean that you have to live a perfect life. You never make mistakes. You never sin. That's impossible. (laughs) I sin all the time. (laughs) I mean, I probably shouldn't laugh. It's not a joke, but I'm a horrible person, okay? And it's not me in my own strength trying harder that grows me as a Christian. It's completely God and his spirit through the word. But the first step of that is each day when I recognize, oh man, I have some evil at work in my heart. Charlie, you're really jealous right now. You're angry, you're bitter, you're, you're not loving. Your, your flesh is rising up, Charlie. The, the answer to that isn't, well, I better read more. No, I need to start with recognizing the sin in my heart and turning away from that. We're done. We're going to put that away. Turning away from the sinful desire. That's the first step of desiring the word. Then, as I've put away those desires of the flesh, I turn to and desire the word, and he he tells us what that's like. So look at verse 2 again. Like a newborn infant, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you put off or put away the evil desire in the heart, and you turn to the Lord, now you need to recultivate affection. Something that you will never naturally do. Desire spending time with God. Desire God to transform your heart. Those things don't come naturally. You have to pursue them and cultivate them. You have to turn away from what you naturally love and cultivate a love for God's word. And he gives us a picture of what this is like. It's like a new child who is hungry. And I think that illustration of hunger works really well. I talked about pizza yesterday, right? You know, when I was in the mountains, all I wanted was that pizza. You know, when there's a new child, a new baby, and they get hungry, they cry, and they cry, and they cry, because there's only one thing they want. You can actually distinguish. Now, I'm not a mom, clearly, okay? You can actually distinguish between the cry of a baby that's hungry and other types of cries. Any moms in the room could tell you that. When they're hungry and they want milk, there's a very distinct cry that they have. They're longing for that one thing. And as believers, Peter says, you need to turn away from these competing desires, the evil, the flesh that's at work in your heart, and you, like that newborn infant, need to cultivate an affection for one thing, the pure spiritual milk. And I think he's referring to the word, to the truth of God. So think about that for a moment. Do you have a practice in your life of turning away from fleshly desire and seeking God's word? It's not something that magically happens the moment you get saved. Like, now I'm never going to want to do wrong again. I'm never going to struggle with sin. And all I want to do is spend time in the Word. Like, that is a kind of a fantasy. What God is telling us here is that we need to have a practice in our life 
where we're turning away from one and pursuing the other. And if you want to win the game, young people, that practice of turning away from the desires in your heart for evil, turning away from that to God's word, that is how you win the game. Like a child desiring the one thing. And did you notice what happens when you desire that one thing? Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, you with me here in verse two? By it, you may grow up into salvation. If you want to grow spiritually, there is one way to do it. Turn from sin, long for the word. And if you turn from sin each day and you long for God's truth and you turn to him and pray and say, God, will you work in my heart as I read the word this morning? Will you spend time with me? Will you commune with me? He'll transform you. We talked about this yesterday. It's those moments of turning from sin to God in his word where he produces the fruit of his spirit in your life. That's where the love and the joy and the peace and the patience come from. It's from those moments of turning. Now, there's a word in the Bible that is describing that turning. And that word is repentance. It's a change of the mind, a turning around. And what I think Peter is reminding the believers here to do is that every day you should seek to repent. Every day you should be evaluating what's going on in your heart. You should be turning from the evil to the word of God. When you wake up in the morning to do devotions, I don't know if you do that in the morning. I try to, but I really love sleep. (laughs) It's not always easy. You realize when my alarm clock goes off, there's so many other things competing for my affection. The first one is more sleep. Snooze. I, mean, I use my iPhone as an alarm, and that thing goes off. You got like an eight-minute snooze, and it's like, oh, what's eight more minutes? And you do that ten times, it adds up, right? Okay, finally, I'm going to get out of bed, but then, okay, now I'm up. Now what do I want to do? There's so many other things. So many other things. Well, take a shower, eat breakfast, listen to your favorite podcast. You know, there's all these things that I like to do right away. And if I'm not careful... I'll be swept away in all these other desires and I won't simply long for the word. An infant that wakes up in the morning who hasn't eaten for hours, they're not thinking about other things. They are crying and wailing until their mother comes and they get the milk. That's a great picture of how we should treat the word of God. Each day, What's the one thing I cannot live without? The pure spiritual milk of the word. And as I seek it, as I go to God in the word and yield to him in his spirit, I grow. I grow. One thing that I like to do in life, I mentioned I like hunting, I like fishing. There's a new hobby that I picked up in the last year. I really like to lift weights, okay? I like to deadlift and squat and bench press, okay? There's a gym I go to in Ankeny. I've got some really big, beefy friends, okay? And they're much stronger than me. But you know what I have to do 
to get stronger. You have to turn away from some normal tendencies, okay? Now, you already know what Charlie's favorite food is, right? Pizza. Man, Little Caesar, that's a great dude, okay? That's a great dude. There's a Little Caesars close to my apartment, and I had a friend, Jacob, who lived with me, just so you can understand who this guy is, national champion discus thrower. He's like 6'1", 6'2", close to 300 pounds, and I, I've watched him eat a Little Caesars pizza in about 15 seconds. The whole, the whole thing. It's like, it's just gone. Okay, he inhales food. And he was my roommate for like a year and a half. And we both like to lift weights. We also like to eat a lot of food. It's a very easy desire. When you're tired at the end of a day, what are you going to eat for dinner? Oh, Little Caesars, man, five bucks. Give me that large pep, man, let's go. But that desire will compete with my desire to grow as a weightlifter. Because if you're not careful about what you're eating as a weightlifter, you might get bigger, but it's not the bigger you want, okay? Now, that's very similar to this. As we want to grow as Christians, we have to be aware of the desires that are competing with the desire for God's word. We want to grow by communing with God and his word, allowing his spirit to make a change from the inside out. We don't want a simple fix. We don't want, tell me what I need to do, I'll just do it. Well, I read my Bible today, check. Yes, I went to church, check. Those things can make us look great on the outside. But there's only one thing that will transform you from the inside. And that is longing for the word spending time with God in the word, and that is turning away from those other desires that compete with the word of God and yielding to him in those times of devotion, spending time in communion with God in his word. So you see there at the bottom, there's a question for you. How do I desire the word? And I really want you to think about that. How do I desire the word? And what I mean by that is, how do I cultivate that affection? What are some things I can do practically that are going to help me long for the word? Okay. Now, we don't really have time and there's too many bodies in this room to do like question and answer. I would love to do that. If you want to talk about this outside of chapel, come find me or Jason or one of your counselors. We'd love to talk with you about this. I have a couple of ideas for you. Okay. Ways that when you go home, you can put some things into practice. It's going to help you desire the word, okay? Here's two things. One, you have to start identifying those competing desires. If you go through life and you're completely ignorant of the other things in life that are competing with God's word for you, chances are they have completely dominated your life and you're blind to them. You, if you don't see them, you're not going to ever turn away from them. And when I was your age, there's things I loved to do that completely robbed my time in the Word. Okay? I loved video games. I loved them. Okay? NCAA football. Okay? Skyrim. I could play those for hours. I wouldn't even think about it. I'd wake up in the morning. That was the first thing I would think about some days. That's a problem. <laughs> that was not helpful for me spiritually. 
And I had to recognize that before I could turn away from them, say, you know what? That desire is competing with my desire to be in God's word. Until you can recognize those things, you're kind of helpless. First thing you can do is start thinking, what are the loves in my life that compete with God's word? Once you identify the competition, it makes it so much easier. For me, go back to the weightlifting for a moment. I know if I drive home on the road that goes by Little Caesars, I know it's going to pop into my head. Oh man, pepperoni pizza sounds really good right now, doesn't it? You just spend an hour and a half working out and you're going to throw it away for a $5 pepperoni pizza. Yes. (laughs) Well, maybe not, amen. Maybe not. Realize we do that with the word of God. You would spend a week at camp, chapel two times a day, devotions each day, memorizing all that scripture, and you're going to go home and throw it away for video games, your buddies that aren't Christians, that sports team, that TV show, that movie, whatever. I don't know. Whatever it is for you. But are you willing to throw away that time in God's word for that other desire. And we naturally will. You want to recognize that and you want to be active in turning away from what competes with God's word. That is going to be really helpful for you. Number two, find a friend to be accountable to. You realize that the Christian life was never intended to be lived alone. Do you hear me say that? The Christian life is never intended to be lived alone. This letter, 1 Peter, it's written to groups of Christians. It's not written to an individual Christian. It's churches. Hopefully you have friends that are with you here this week or you have a counselor that's from your church. Hopefully you have someone back home that can help you stay in the word of God. I had multiple buddies that helped me do this. I went to public high school. It was hard to stay focused on God and his word and his ways. It was really hard. And I had a couple of buddies, Taylor, Cameron, Tyler. We'd see each other at band in the morning. We'd see each other at study hall after third period. We'd eat lunch together. And we would have conversations about God's word. My buddy Cameron and I, when we were seniors, we had a fifth period where you could just go home. If you had all your other credits done as a high schooler, you could just go home. And we knew that could be a problem for us. (laughs) If I get to go home at one o'clock in the middle of the day, there's two things I was doing. Nap, video games, okay? That was it. That's fun, but is it helpful spiritually? Every day for weeks, no, no. So you know what Cameron and I did? We both recognized this was something that could compete with God's work in our life. This is a tendency for us to go home and waste our time. So at the beginning of fifth period, when we could go home, let's go to the library and let's spend some time in the word together. Every day, fifth period, we'd go to the library and we'd get our Bibles out. And you know, interestingly enough, that kind of became an outreach. There were some guys that would see us doing that and they'd walk, what are you doing? why aren't you going home? 
We're like, well, we want God to change us. We, we know we need to read the word of God. They thought we were nuts, okay? But man, God used that in my life. And having that friend to do it with was awesome. So those two things, that's practical steps you can take to start desiring the word, to cultivate that desire for the word. Recognize what's competing with it and find a friend to do it with. Find some accountability, okay? I'm gonna close us in prayer here and I wanna remind you just like the last couple of days that as I pray out loud, I really don't want you just to listen to me. I'd really like you to pray about this. So as I pray out loud, I want you to think about your relationship to the word of God. Are you like the infant? Are you the newborn infant? You wake up and you have a longing or at least a practice to cultivate a longing for the word of God. Are you like that? Are you developing that? If not, talk to God about it. God, help me long for your word. And as I get ready to go home in a couple of days, Help me to put together a plan to stay in the word of God so that I can grow by it, okay? I'm gonna pray out loud, ask you to pray silently with me, and then we'll uh, move on from there. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for your word. And Father, I, I am very thankful for the times when I was a young teenager. God, as I've grown up to have friends who've encouraged me in the word. God, I'm so thankful for the years I spent here at camp diving in and chapels and devotions. I had no clue that I needed that in my life. And God, I'm so thankful that your word is always there to be studied and considered. And when I come to it with a heart ready to learn and grow, your spirit will transform me. And God, I pray for all of us in this room. I know all of us struggle because we're sinful humans, we struggle to desire your word faithfully. And so, Father, I, I just ask that you would help us cultivate an affection for the word of God. God, help us to seek your word. And, Father, I pray for any in this room who really don't care about the word of God. I pray that you would use these last couple days, last couple chapels to change them. God, if there are some with very strong desires or impulses that are drawing them away from you, help them to see what they are and to repent of them, to turn away from them so that they can seek you and your word first. Father, I pray that you would bless the rest of our time today as we play games and fellowship with one another. God, uh, thank you so much for letting us be at camp together. We pray this in your son, Jesus' name, amen.